1: on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 422 for your thursday march 17 2022 i am jd from new york and as always i'm coming to you from the ots venue thank you very much for joining me on your thursday afternoons wherever you may be we got a, a little bit of a mixed bag of news today, ladies and gentlemen. We have nothing really over the top, nothing substantial, nothing that's going to break the internet or anything like that. A mixed bag of news, and it's been a slow week for most of the week. Obviously, everything has taken a back seat to Scott Hall and the passing of Scott Hall this week, which was. Absolutely terrible, one of the worst weeks that we've suffered in a very long time as far as uh, wrestling passings. Obviously an influential figure was Scott Hall. Everybody loves Scott Hall. He will never be forgotten, A Scott Hall. So make sure you guys go and check out the Monday Night Raw review. Actually in the beginning of that post-show, live on Monday night after Raw, I go into a little bit of what Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, meant to me and how influential he really was to not only WWE, but all of pro wrestling. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And uh, rest in peace, as always. Everybody's uh, uttering the same sentiments. We miss him, we love him. Scott Hall will never be forgotten. And his influence will live on forever, man. Obviously, that's taken over the entire news feed this week, and rightfully so. But there are other things that had happened this week that we're going to get into today. Another major free agent, and this seemingly is an every week thing with Tony Khan, another major free agent is now in talks with AEW, but there's a possibility that he could end up right back with Ring of Honor. Who am I talking about? We'll go over that today in just a little bit. Uh, being that AEW is obviously still on the market for free agents, people are also on their way out of the company, and primarily, it's the year ones, and most notably, as of this week, Joey Janela is not coming back to AEW, he is not re-signing an AEW contract, And we will go over exactly what Joey Janela said in an interview this week about not wanting to come back to AEW. Who's to say that Tony Khan even wanted Joey Janela to come back to AEW? And there's also a reason why they didn't invite him back or give him a contract like I know they didn't. Joey Janela had backstage heat for hurting wrestlers during matches. In AEW, so we will go over that today right here on OTS. Also, WWE admits in court that AEW is competition, and they cited head-to-head ratings loss to AEW as proof that they are not a dominant monopoly in a lawsuit against MLW. Oh! Really now, the truth comes out when WWE has is having their shit pushed in by MLW and they're taken into a court of law. Is that right? Now AEW is competition. But WWE said for years that AEW is nothing more than a t-shirt company that would fail after five years. Clearly, WWE is now changing their tune. Also, your ratings report from Monday night... And NXT last night. What an embarrassment NXT was last night. We'll go over that and whatever happened on NXT. I also got news on Brian Cage. Brian Cage is planning a return to AEW TV. And there are things in the works to get Brian Cage back into the thick of things on AEW television. Thank you guys again for joining me on your Thursday afternoons. Follow me on social media. At J.D. from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go and check out all the other content that you might have missed on the channel. Right now, we got the Monday Night Raw review on Monday and AEW Dynamite as of last night where we had Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker inside a steel cage. The Hardy Boys make their tag team AEW debut and Wardlow challenged Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship all on last night's. AEW Dynamite. If you guys want our thoughts, that's me and Jesse, our thoughts on the show last night, go and check that out. Everything you need is on the homepage. It should be the first thing that you see right there on the YouTube homepage for the channel. Make sure you guys go check out my sponsor for today's show as well. That is Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. You guys are going to get 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice Best thing is, if you guys sign up for the 30 days and feel like you don't even want it, but you want the audio book for free, you can cancel within that 30-day grace period and still get to keep your audio book for free. That is audibletrial.com slash script. And as always, hit that thumbs up, guys. Let's try for a 1,000 likes minimum on today's Off the Script episode 422. Gonna start off with a, uh, a little bit of a, a positive news story. And uh, I want you guys to sit down. I know this may come as a overwhelming, exciting story to you. And I know you guys may be jumping for joy. Don't go and rush to your wallets just yet, okay? Do with this information what you want. I'm just giving you the good news, okay? Tony Storm. She is now on her way to AEW, as we all know. There is interest in AEW for Tony Storm. Tony Storm is launching an OnlyFans account this weekend. Now, I am not going to subscribe to Tony Storm's OnlyFans account. That would be beneath me, but uh, I am giving you guys the good news. So I want you guys to take this information and then I want you to let me know if it's worth the $20. And I may or may not have somebody that I know sign up so that I could uh, get, a, get a sneak peek of uh, what's going on there. Now, in all seriousness, Tony Storm is opening up an OnlyFans account. And this is after the days of WWE. She was not allowed to do that in the E, but now she's allowed to do whatever she wants. Storm moved up to WWE's main roster. Last year, but it was a short run after a feud with Charlotte Flair. Imagine having Tony Storm on the main roster, and you don't know what to do with a 25-year-old beautiful woman, blonde, that has everything that WWE could possibly want in a female superstar. Imagine that. What did WWE do? They called her up, they feuded her with Charlotte Flair, and she became a fucking Pornhub thumbnail. Because the feud over the SmackDown Women's Championship was contested over who bested who with pies to the face. Yes, Tony Storm was, quote-unquote, cream pie. Was it coconut cream pie? Was it custard pie? Was it banana cream pie, which is my personal favorite? Nobody will ever know. Maybe it was just a standard vanilla cream pie in Titus Catering. Man, Nobody will ever know. That's the information. That's the scooper that I, that I need right there. Which type of pie? What kind of cream pie? Was it? And get your minds out of the gutter, okay? That was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Storm is now taking independent bookings, and she is legally able to work in the bigger promotions. One has to assume that AEW, Impact, and other companies are absolutely going to show interest for Miss Storm. She will be opening up her OnlyFans account on March 19th. If you guys go to Tony Storm's Instagram feed... On her Instagram account, fans will have access to exclusive content. Whatever that means, I don't know, but she gave you a teaser of what's to come. What's to come over there on uh, Tony Storm's OnlyFans account. So, uh, you guys do with that information what you want. Leave me out of it, okay? I'm just giving you guys the good news. And uh, don't go rush to your wallets all at the same time, man, really. I took a peek. I took a gander at the prices, man. It's pretty pricey. Not gonna lie, it's pretty pricey. Twenty dollars a month over there for Tony Storm's only fans again. It may be worth it. I don't know. You guys, let me know. You just, you let me know. Okay, you just let me know how it is and uh, what's going on over there. All joking aside, let's move on with the actual news. We got Killer Cross. Killer Cross. You guys know Killer Cross, Karrion and Cross in WWE. He was turned into the Super Shredder. He was given suspenders like Steve Urkel. Did I do that? As he's destroying Carl Winslow's kitchen. carrying cross. He was somebody that everybody thought Vince McMahon would be drooling over. He's got the look. He's got the size. He wasn't that bad in the ring. He's got a great promo. He's got a hot wife, right? WWE did absolutely everything humanly possible to make sure this guy failed on the main roster. Why? Because he was a Paul Levesque project, folks. And everything that is Paul Levesque ultimately dies a thousand deaths on the main roster. Just ask Peter. Ask Peter Doon how his life on the main roster is going. He's now named Butch. yes. I'm not sure if you guys watch SmackDown, but Pete Dunne is now going by the name of Butch and is a lackey to Sheamus and Rich Holland on SmackDown. Killer Cross, he got released in the same class as Keith Lee. He had to wait his 90 days. His wife was free after 30 days. She was still under an NXT contract. But Cross, promos on social media teasing about what he's doing. He's doing this cr- control or create your narrative with, uh, <laughs> you know, the Strowman Express over there and uh, EC3, which is nothing more than a fucking raw underground ripoff from what I see on social media. Regardless of that, Killer Cross is headed to New Japan Pro Wrestling and this is a great move. This is a great move. If you guys go to Cross's Twitter account, You'll see a a video of Cross wearing a suit and taking people out in a gym. Cross said that a new beginning is emerging, and he specifically mentioned King of Pro Wrestling, Minoru Suzuki. Cross said that he and Suzuki will meet face-to-face, and that this begins with Suzuki. Cross was amongst the group of names released by WWE in November, like I previously had mentioned. That also included Keith Lee. We see Keith Lee now on AEW television. After his non-compete expired, he's been wrestling for independent promotions. There's no word on if he is working full-time for New Japan or if this is a short-term deal. He will do very well over there in New Japan, and I think he will be able to get his creativity out there and honestly reinvent himself for the American audience, and really just build upon what he wants to do, or I should better put this, what he couldn't do in WWE. We will see an extension of that Carrion Cross character going on into his new beginnings over in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Very happy for Cross, and I think he's gonna do extremely well over in New Japan, and I do think he will start to create a buzz for himself before all is said and done. We got news on the situation with Joey Janela. Might as well get into this now because uh, it's not really that big of a story, but everybody was like, oh, my God, Joey Janela. Joey Janela's not coming back to AEW. Oh, oh my goodness, man. I know. I know this is going to ruin your days. I know this may have ruined some of your weeks. I don't know how we're going to be able to cope with Joey Janela not being in AEW anymore man I am so fucking heartbroken man I don't know how to conduct myself anymore what am I gonna do with my life man how am I gonna pick up these pieces of my fucking shattered and destroyed world Joey Janela not with AEW anymore says he will not be signing a new contract with all elite wrestling Janela was interviewed by uh She who shall not be named here, because I don't like to give away free publicity on my show. You think they do it for me? Of course they don't. And now has explained his reasoning for opting not to re-sign with AEW. He said this, and I quote, I said in a couple of interviews with Sean Ross Sapp in September at All Out Weekend, I said yes. Recently, in an interview with Barstool Sports, I said yes. My contract is up on May 1st, 2022. And I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to say no right now. I'm not interested in signing with AEW. Resigning with them, I am not going to be re- be resigning with AEW. I was a little scared getting back into the independent world of wrestling and making money. You take those things for granted. You're getting a paycheck every two weeks, a pretty good paycheck. In your head, you're like shit. When this is over, this is all gonna disappear. But I was born a hustler. In this business, I was scared to get back into that world, but now I am no longer scared, end quote. Then there was a report about Joey Janela having backstage heat on him for injuring Eddie Kingston. PW Insider confirmed that there was indeed a lot of heat on Joey Janela for hurting Eddie Kingston because it changed weeks' worth of television plans. The injury forced them to delay Kingston's feud with Chris Jericho. PWI added that there is an internal belief that several talents were hurt while working with Janela in the ring. Janela hasn't been brought into shows since the Charlotte taping, and the expectation is that AEW will let his contract expire in late April, as he said, May 1st. Janela said during the interview that he was choosing not to resign with the company. But the reality of the situation is this man was never even offered a, a contract extension to come back to AEW. So obviously it is a business. They go into business for themselves. They clearly don't want to make themselves look bad or have the idea of himself not being wanted. But let's be real, folks. Let's be real. Joey Janela was never offered a contract extension or or anything of the matter from AEW. They they did not want to bring him back, and he was never offered another contract to re-sign with AEW, point blank, nothing more than that. So don't go out there and listen to these fucking interviews that are half-assed, and they don't cover all of the truth behind the matter. Joey Janela was never offered an AEW contract. So you would have to be offered an AEW contract to then be put in a situation to say, no, I am not resigning. What are you resigning? You're resigning nothing because Tony Khan didn't give you a contract. Now, I was joking around in the beginning about Janela. Janela will not be missed. Janela came in, he did his thing, he had a couple of good matches, one with Kenny Omega that I remember, and that's pretty much it. Joey Janela was a year one, he had indie buzz, he had a name for himself coming off GCW and all the fucking bullshit that he got himself into, they brought him in to build the beginning stages, the foundation of AEW, and now that AEW is a fucking locomotive that is unstoppable right now, they don't need, Carney. Joey Janela. It's just the way it is, he did his time, he helped out, and he has that to be grateful for. Now you could put that on your resume, Mr. Janela. You are an AEW former talent. You worked for all elite wrestling. You wrestled some of the best names that they had over there in the time that you were there. Just take it and turn it into a positive. That's it. Joey Janela is going to go do his GCW thing. Joey Janella is going to continue doing the fucking circuit on the East Coast for the Indies. And whatever else he wants to do. And that's it. He's going to make his money, and he's going to be nothing more than a glorified stuntman. Joey Janela was never a professional wrestler. That's the sad truth of the matter. Joey Janela was never a a, a real professional wrestler. Joey Janela is some fucking geek who was living in his mother's basement legitimately in New Jersey with fucking $5 to his name who wanted to one day be a professional wrestler. And then when it dawned on him, oh, I could do this and make a name for myself, he didn't really go and get properly trained. Clearly, if he's hurting people left and right, he went to the school of Nia Jax, where they just continue to fucking end careers and hurt others. Why would this be reported if it wasn't the case? Obviously, he hurt Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston's beloved by everybody, and it did delay TV plans for Kingston and Chris Jericho. He's nothing more than a glorified stuntman. He's not a professional wrestler. He's a wannabe cosplay professional wrestler. He thought of an idea one day. Hey, I can make a name for myself in the business of pro wrestling. Let me set myself on fire. Let me jump off a fucking roof and go through three tables. Let me wrap myself in in barbed wire. Let me bleed all over the place and act like a fucking clown. And make a mockery of the sport that everybody loves. That's exactly what Joey Janela is. Goodbye. Goodbye. AEW honestly never needed him. And AEW doesn't need him moving on into the future because they have a lot bigger plans in place. And those plans will not include Joey Janela. Goodbye. Nobody will miss Joey Janela on the way out the door. Moving on with the rest of the news. WWE is citing, keeping with the AEW theme here, WWE is citing head-to-head ratings loss to AEW as proof that they are not a dominant monopoly. Now, they're not a dominant monopoly anymore, but when they were doing what they were doing to MLW, they were a dominant monopoly. AEW was in its beginning stages when WWE thought that they could push MLW around and do all this fucking nefarious shit with MLW. Dave Meltzer talked about this and the lawsuit with MLW suing He added that in addition to WWE's response, they also included an exhibit to show that they are not a dominant monopoly. And the exhibit is the October 18th, 2021 Wrestling Observer Newsletter that covered the WWE SmackDown show that went head-to-head with AEW Rampage and supposedly SmackDown lost. The head to head to AEW in the ratings. Now, I believe this was when uh, it was around the time of the World Series. You know, the Braves won the World Series, right? If you guys forgot. We don't have Freddie Freeman now. We got Matt Olsen. Hopefully, he is a suitable replacement. But I am going to miss Freddie Freeman. So I am very upset about that. But not to talk about baseball. That was around the time of the World Series. And I believe SmackDown was moved to FS1 and they did a shit rating. As per usual, when they move to FS1, WWE is talking about that. There is a motion to dismiss. They filed a motion to dismiss the MLW lawsuit. Now, Meltzer tweeted, and I quote, In the WWE's response to the MLW lawsuit, besides the written response they provided, an exhibit. The exhibit was the October 18, 2021 issue of The Observer that covered WWE losing the 30 minutes head-to-head with AEW as evidence that they weren't a dominant monopoly. So what is WWE doing using this statistic? What are they admitting here? Are they admitting that AEW is competition? Are they admitting that they are not as big as they say they are, being that they lost head-to-head to AEW's B-Show? Is AEW no longer a t-shirt company, Bruce and Vince? Or are they a legitimate wrestling company that serves as competition for world wrestling entertainment? What's the deal here, Bruce? I'm very confused by this by this new development. What's going on? So... Apparently, the entire thing stemmed from WWE and MLW. MLW sued WWE and alleges that WWE interfered with potential streaming and television deals with Tubi and Vice TV. MLW's claim for intentional interference with contractual relations is unsupported by factual allegations And what allegations MLW pleads are entirely implausible, says WWE. Because obviously they got their lawyers involved and they didn't believe what was coming to them from MLW. So they think, MLW thinks, that WWE interfered with potential streaming and television deals that they had in place with Tubi and Vice TV. Now from a legal standpoint, WWE likely felt the need to point that out in their efforts about losing to Rampage to get the lawsuit thrown out. And it's unclear what the judge will do from this point on. I find it funny how when WWE has their shit pushed in, then all of a sudden the truth comes out. I love it. So what this means, folks, is that MLW's got some fucking balls. They really do. Nobody wants to go to court with WWE's Jerry McDivitt. Nobody wants to do that. So MLW's got some balls. And MLW got WWE to admit that WWE is not a dominant monopoly like everybody thinks they are in the world of professional wrestling and that there are others in the game that serve as competition. (laughs) Tony Khan. It's a great thing to see when WWE admits something that should be on the mind of everybody and everybody kind of knows that AEW is competition. I find it to be quite hilarious that WWE now wants to admit that AEW is competition. AEW has a plan in place for Mr. Brian Cage and his TV return. Although Brian Cage hasn't been used in about seven or eight months, it appears that things will be changing very soon. His last AEW TV match was last October on Rampage when he lost to Ricky Starks in a street fight. His deal was slated to expire last month, but the promotion reportedly picked up his option for a year. They did to Brian Cage that they did not do for Jelly Nutella. Is that what the uh, Cornette guys are calling him? Jelly Nutella? Sounds about right to me. Brian Cage, he was offered a contract, and Tony Khan would not have offered Brian Cage a contract if there weren't plans in place to use Brian Cage. Tony Khan, yes, he does bring on everybody, but not everybody's exclusive to AEW. If he wants you there, he's going to have a plan for you. Tony Khan is not going to be throwing money away In these prime years where he's looking for bigger TV rights deals. And he wants to get everybody on board to help AEW go towards that ultimate goal. Cage stated that there is a plan for him to return to TV while speaking on the Going Broadway podcast. He says, and I quote, there's a plan. I guess that's about as much as I can throw out there. We'll have to wait and see. He continued by stating that there are plenty of matches for him in AEW especially with so many people that have joined the roster since October. He also noted that he's pitched several ideas through his absence from TV, but he supposes it has formulated into this plan that is now underway. Like I said, Tony Khan would not be paying him. Tony Khan would not be bringing him in if Tony Khan did not have a plan to use him in something along the way. Now, I know everybody thinks that his wife, Melissa Santos, kind of fucked him over. And she was very vocal about not uh, using Brian Cage, AEW not using Brian Cage. And it may have ruffled a couple of feathers with management in AEW. And there may have been something there where they were kind of perturbed at him and they they were a little pissed off at him. Not particularly him, but his wife. So obviously they took it out on him because they really can't do anything to Melissa Santos. I said this a couple of times. I don't know why Tony Khan doesn't sign Melissa Santos and bring Melissa Santos in to manage Brian Cage. I think we all can sit here and agree that Brian Cage isn't really a great promo. Brian Cage isn't gleaming with charisma. I do think he needs a mouthpiece. And I do think if you put the right mouthpiece with him, that I do think Brian Cage could be the machine that we know he is. Brian Cage could be fucking great for
2: AEW. He really could. A guy that size doing the shit Brian Cage is known to do is... There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because... That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. It's not normal. And it's always a great thing
1: to see. I'd love to see Brian Cage mix it up with Keith Lee. I think that'd be a colossal matchup and Will Hobbs is coming along. Wardlow is coming along. Now there are matches there for Brian Cage on top of the smaller guys that are there that I'm sure he wants to get in the ring with. I think Brian Cage could have a dominant run if properly reintroduced, and that reintroduction needs a mouthpiece. So I don't know what the plan is, but he's coming back to television, and Brian Cage will be back on AEW television. Finn Balor. Finn Balor was out for a little bit going into the Royal Rumble. And there were pictures of Finn Balor on social media during the Royal Rumble. And he was photographed in front of an Irish pub in Ireland. And everybody joked, oh, Finn Balor wasn't used in the Royal Rumble. Finn Balor doesn't want to be there. Finn Balor's going to get released by Nick Conman. And I'm like, Balor did himself a favor by missing the Royal Rumble, seeing how the Royal Rumble was one of the worst produced Royal Rumbles in company history. He opted to go to Ireland and have an ice-cold Guinness did Finn Balor Royal Rumble weekend. Great. But Finn Balor explained why he was absent from the Royal Rumble this year. He says, and I quote, with BT Sport, it was all due to him needing to renew his U.S. work visa. And I quote, I haven't spoken about this, but I didn't want to take any time off. I didn't want to miss any shows. I didn't need any time off. I wasn't injured. I didn't need a rest. Legally, my visa needed to be renewed. And I needed to go home to Ireland to go to the U.S. Embassy and get a new visa. That's why I was not at the Royal Rumble. And I wasn't there for about a month. Everyone was asking questions. Finn's not here. Finn's not there. It was strictly a legal paperwork issue that needed to be rectified and was kind of pushing through COVID because we couldn't travel. It was kind of a window opened up. And we said, look, we're going to do it eventually. Let's just do it now. And that's exactly what happened. The time was taken off reluctantly in January to take care of that paperwork, but thank God it's taken care of for the next 10 years. End quote. Looking back at it, I'm glad he missed the Royal Rumble and not WrestleMania. So he kind of got lucky in that, that he missed that terrible show And now is the United States champion and is going into WrestleMania as the United States champion and more than likely going to be going one-on-one with Damian Priest for the U.S. title at WrestleMania 38. So that's the reason he wasn't getting drunk in Ireland. He wasn't with his wife at an Irish pub drinking Guinness. He wasn't sitting down to a nice plate of fish and chips. He didn't say, fuck off, Bruce and Vince. I don't want to join the Royal Rumble field. It had nothing to do with any of those things, even though it would have been quite funny For him to do that, he had a U.S. visa issue that he took care of, and that's the reason why Finn Balor missed the Royal Rumble. Top free agent is now in talks with AEW. Jonathan Gresham could be working for Tony Khan in the near future. It could be with AEW or it could be Ring of Honor. Fightful Select reported on Thursday that there have been assets produced indicating that Jonathan Gresham is going to be working for AEW or Ring of Honor, which is now owned by Tony Khan. It's unclear if the idea is for him to be strictly a Ring of Honor talent or an AEW star or used for both promotions now that Tony Khan owns Ring of Honor. Gresham is the current original ROH World Champion, so it's likely that he will be used at least some dates for Ring of Honor. It's previously reported he was backstage at a couple of Dynamites, most notably the February 23rd edition of Dynamite, as he was already in the area as he held his Terminus Number no. 2 show in Atlanta the next day. Gresham previously stated last year that he wanted to remain loyal to Ring of Honor until he could not do that anymore. He was given his release from Ring of Honor after Final Battle in December, just like the majority of the roster as the promotion went on hiatus for the first quarter of 2022. Tony has publicly stated that he does plan to continue Ring of Honor operations and be the lead booker of the promotion. The report stated that at one point there was a tentative plan in place to have Gresham work a Ring of Honor world title unification match with current ROH champion Bandito at Supercard of Honor next month, but that has not happened been announced. Tony Khan is going to be announcing matches. I do think, I, I know i seen something out there about a match already being announced for Supercard of Honor. And I want to say it was Alex Zane against Shane Strickland, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that was the match announced for Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor. I could be wrong. I don't know if that was Ring of Honor or another show. And Tony Khan said that he's going to be lead booker. A show will be taking place that WrestleMania weekend. So I don't know when all of this is going to come about. He may just throw great dream matches out there, indie great dream matches out there, and let people go crazy over it. But like I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I don't think Tony Khan should be spreading himself thin with running AEW and then running Ring of Honor at the same time. He does have people in place. He does have great names that could go over there and kind of live out his vision for him without actually having to be there. I'm not saying that Tony Khan shouldn't have a final say in anything, but he should really delegate these positions so he doesn't have to have his entire plate full with both Ring of Honor and AEW. And I mentioned and I cited The reason why NXT has failed in this 2.0 era is because it largely is very similar to what Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown do on Monday and Friday. Tuesday has adopted all of the main roster ideologies and all of the main roster feel, and it's not NXT anymore. They're even now, more so than ever before, using main roster talent to get the show over Because they know the ratings suck and they want to boost the ratings with main roster talent on NXT 2.0. So I think Tony Khan is in a position where he may actually spread himself thin. And it's not going to show itself immediately, but as time goes on, he may start to get worn out. And some things may start to look a little similar, uh, you know, regarding both shows. You know, some things may be done on on AEW that will be done on Ring of Honor and vice versa. And people will say, well, didn't I see this match over there? Or didn't I see this storyline over there? or, Or et cetera, et cetera. So that's my main gripe about it. Do I trust Tony Khan? Yes, for the most part of three years. He's done such a great job that I think everybody should really trust what he is doing with AEW and now with Ring of Honor. But I don't want it to come to a situation where he does eventually spread himself thin, because that's exactly what WWE's problem is. It's run by the same fucking people, all three shows, and everything starts to feel the same, and nothing is exciting anymore. But I do think Jonathan Gresham, wherever he lands is going to be a great addition to any roster. I mean, I'd love to see him work both promotions. In fact, I do think he will work both promotions. If he signs with Tony Khan over Ring of Honor, I do think that they will bring him in and pay him to work some AEW dates. I mean, there are matches out the ass that I'm sure you want to see. Most notably at the top of my list, uh, a Gresham versus Danielson match. Sign me up and take my fucking money. Seriously. You may, be, you may be looking at a match of the year candidate if those two guys are in the ring at the same time. Anybody, really. It's one of the best wrestlers in the world. So, I'd love to see it. And I do think he's going to be spread across both shows. And rightfully so, because that talent is a once-in-a-lifetime Type of talent You don't see a lot of guys cut from the same cloth as Jonathan Gresham nowadays in the world of pro wrestling. So I'd like to see, and I do think it's eventually going to happen. Moving on with the rest of the news, man. Let's get into the ratings here. NXT, let's start with NXT. NXT 2.0 ratings for last night's show, which was really fucking embarrassing as a show as a whole. The ratings are in for NXT 2.0, 624,000. Live viewers on the USA Network, that is up from the 613,000 viewers the show did previously one week ago. It did a 0.14 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. The show did a 0.13 rating one week ago. It was the highest rating since January 11th. Last week, the show had Roadblock, NXT Roadblock theme, and featured two title matches, including the main event where Dolph Ziggler won the NXT championship by pinning Tommaso Ciampa in a match with Braun Breaker. Dolph Ziggler is the new NXT champion. And I'm watching NXT last night, and I'm asking myself, why is this necessary? Really. I I I want you guys, I know you don't watch NXT, and and I I don't watch it religiously every week as well. It was just one of those weeks where I was kind of on the fence. I was in limbo. Should I go live for NXT? Should I just go upstairs and play Destiny after NXT is over? And not worry about pro wrestling on Tuesday night because I look at all the fucking people live and their viewership is atrocious. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of something subpar, okay? But I'm looking at NXT, and I'm looking at Dolph Ziggler, and I'm looking at Breaker, and Breaker came out. There was a thing last night where he tried to drag race, With uh, time, and he sped into the parking lot, he got out, Ziggler's car was there, and he's pounded on the windows, and he's looking for Ziggler. He wants revenge on Dolph Ziggler. And I'm looking at this, and I see the end of the show where Ziggler is wrestling LA Knight. Everybody loves LA Knight. LA Knight's great. It's going to be a great addition to the main roster. LA Knight and Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler wins the match. And Braun Breaker comes out and asks for a world championship match at Stand and Deliver. It was given to him. That's the NXT title match at Stand and Deliver. Night one, WrestleMania Saturday, NXT TakeOver, or not really TakeOver. Stand and Deliver is happening that afternoon, 1 p.m. And I'm asking myself, did they really need to take the title off Braun Breaker? The same result could have been had if Braun Breaker was still the NXT champion. Did they really need to give Dolph Ziggler... The NXT Championship. If he beat Ziggler and Ziggler was pushing his buttons in and the veteran was getting the best of the rookie leading into the title match and Braun Breaker was still champion, don't you think it would be the same result if Breaker beat Ziggler as champion instead of it being Breaker beating Ziggler with Ziggler as the champion? It would have been the same result. If Breaker was the champion or not, he would have ended up beating Dolph Ziggler. But they're using Dolph Ziggler in this case to get Braun Breaker over. Now, it could be that, or it could be something completely different, and Braun Breaker could lose at stand and deliver, and Braun Breaker could get demoted to the main roster. It could be that as well, because there are people up on the main roster that think Braun Breaker, and we know he's not, that think Braun Breaker is ready. And I don't think Braun Breaker getting called up to the main roster is a right move right now. But Dolph Ziggler is the NXT champion and he won the NXT Championship from Brown Breaker by pitting Tommaso Ciampa in a triple threat match. NXT ranked number 44 in the Cable Top 150 for the night. That is up from number 55 one week ago. NXT was largely awful last night. Like I said, Dolph Ziggler beat LA Knight in the main event. Decent little match, but it barely went 11 minutes. The Creed Brothers were confronted by MSK and Imperium. All three teams went back and forth. A triple threat match is signed for NXT Stand and Deliver. I keep calling it TakeOver or wanting to call it a TakeOver, and it's not a TakeOver. I will not dirty or disrespect the TakeOver name. So we're getting a triple threat match with Imperium, MSK, and the Kree brothers. I could see the Creed brothers winning the Tag Team Championships and Imperium with Gunther getting called up to the main roster after WrestleMania weekend. Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio was in the ring on Tuesday night on NXT 2.0. He defeated Raul Mendoza of Legado del Fantasma, which is led by Santos Escobar. And I'm looking at this and I'm laughing at it and I'm not excited about it. I was thinking that this could be something great, but it's too little too late. Remember all those, and this is for the people that are with me and listen to me. You know that I push this. And you know the idea I gave everybody in regards to Dominic and Rey Mysterio. And this goes back to when Santos Escobar was Cruiserweight Champion. I never in my entire time covering WWE found anything remotely interesting about Dominic Mysterio. I even think Rey Mysterio is boring to an extent. But Dominic Mysterio is given this push on the main roster. Seth Rollins at SummerSlam in the middle of the pandemic in an empty fucking Thunderdome at SummerSlam. Decent little match, but he was in the ring against Seth Rollins. So clearly it was going to end up being very good. And that was the whole, you know, Seth Rollins taking Rey Mysterio's eyeball. That whole fucking stupid storyline. And I said, Dominic doesn't belong on the main roster. For how good that match was, they did nothing with him. He went down in value, did Dominic. There was nothing redeeming about Dominic. He didn't do anything of note on the main roster after that. He seemingly went back right to doing fucking mid-card bullshit. Sitting in catering. Tag team matches with his father here. They won the tag team championships, but I mean, winning the tag team championships in WWE means jack shit nowadays because there's no division. And they didn't really do anything as tag team champions anyway. They did it for a moment, and that was it. And they gave them the titles in front of a fucking Thunderdome audience. WWE, they should take Dominic, and Dominic should feel the same way like we feel about Sammy Guevara on AEW television, or Jungle Boy, or any of those young kids that are the pillars of AEW. Dominic should be on the road to being a pillar of WWE's future. He's a fucking Mysterio and he does nothing of value and is largely unimportant on the main roster. I think you and I both know this. I said all these weeks ago, all these months ago, and I said it about three or four different times when Santos Escobar was the Cruiserweight champion, Dominic Mysterio should have been in NXT to challenge Legado del Fantasma and Santos Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship. Legado del Fantasma was formed because their vision of the luchador is what they wanted to incorporate into WWE's universe. They are the ultimate luchador faction. So whatever they're doing as far as the luchador is concerned, obviously it was going to show some disrespect to Rey Mysterio. That's where Dominic comes in. And Dominic should have trained in NXT. Dominic should have been on NXT television, should still be on NXT television to this day. And Dominic should have battled Legado del Fantasma until he ultimately got to Santos Escobar and won the Cruiserweight Championship. Not just any championship, but the championship his father made a household name. The WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Now he's going to do the same thing In WWE. Why wasn't that ever explored? Why didn't WWE do that? Last night we got Santos Escobar talking about he's the greatest luchador of all time. And right there in the promo, in walks, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Has his little fucking one-liner in there. The greatest luchador of all time. You're looking at him. He's my father. And off to the running we are with a. Mysterio versus Legado del Fantasma feud. It's too little too late. You're selling me on Rey and Santos, and you're selling me on Dominic and Legado del Fantasma, and it's too little too late. Either WWE is usually late to the party, fucking late to the party, or somebody's watching my fucking shit way too late, and now that cruiserweight idea has long since fucking sailed into the sunset. What's the point? What's the point? Is Legato getting called up after NXT stand and deliver? Are they going right to the main roster to feud with Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio? What's the the deal here? I know WWE could use tag teams, and Legato is absolutely primed and ready for a WWE main roster. Are they going to be used correctly? Fuck no. No, they will not be used correctly. So I don't know what's going on. Legado del Fantasma is great. Santos, last night, he qualified for the North American ladder match that is taking place for the championship. Carmelo Hayes has this ladder match where he's defending the North American championship at Stand and Deliver. He qualified for that match at Santos Escobar. So it's not like they're going to be doing Santos versus Rey Mysterio at Stand and Deliver. It may still happen on NXT, but Santos is good enough For the main roster where he should be on Raw or SmackDown wrestling Rey Mysterio. And I could see that as a SummerSlam match. Having Santos go over and Rey putting over Santos as the new wave of luchador in WWE. So I'm looking at Rey Mysterio last night and I'm not excited. I'm looking at Dominic Mysterio and I'm not excited. I see Pathetic feeble attempts to get NXT in everybody's mouth. Oh, look, it's right. Oh, look, it's Dominic. And then a storyline that I pitched how many fucking months ago? Now, right before our very eyes taking place. And what the fuck does it mean? It means shit. It doesn't mean anything. That was NXT. Things like that pissed me the fuck off. Indy Hartwell and Persia Perota ended in a makeout session, not with each other, but with Indy and Dexter and Persia Perota and Duke Hudson. I posted about it on Twitter. Once upon a time, this brand was the best brand in all of pro wrestling. Now, nobody's watching it. Now you know why. Fucking sad. This is not pro wrestling. Whatever NXT 2.0 is doing is not pro wrestling. Tommaso Ciampa seemingly wanted to cry in the middle of the ring. He's getting demoted. Either that, or he's retiring, which I don't see. The, I don't see that happening. He's getting demoted to the main roster. He gave the NXT universe his final goodbye before Tony D'Angelo challenged him to a match at Stand in the Liver. Tony D's gonna go over, and then he's gonna go home and have a nice plate of meatball and sausage, and he's gonna have a nice glass of wine, red wine with it. And Champa is gonna go and do what all others his age do on Monday Night Raw, and that is die. A 1,000 deaths in the midcard. He's going to be right there with Finn Balor, who mean jack shit. Tommaso Ciampa is a main event guy. Whether you think so or agree with me or not, I don't give a shit. Tommaso Ciampa is a main event guy. He was the greatest NXT champion of all time. A time that I wish I could go back to and still have on my television every Wednesday night. So, Tony D'Angelo is going to be getting his big victory over Tommaso Ciampa, and that's going to solidify Tony D on NXT. That match was announced last night. Tiffany Stratton beat Sarai. Two minutes. Typical WWE main roster garbage. A-Kid defeated Kushida in a qualifier match for this ladder match. So, A-Kid now goes on to wrestle, uh, what's his name? The fucking uh, Miz Wannabe. I forgot his fucking name. Uh, Grayson Waller. So A-Kid and Kushida, they, neither one of them get entrances, a little, little decent little match that they got, and now A-Kid wins this match to go get a match with Grayson Waller, and the winner of that match gets put into the ladder match against Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship. Santos Escobar qualified, like I said, he defeated Cameron Grimes in a qualifying match, decent little match there. I said it last night, Grimes is one week away from getting released. And I I don't think that is fair of me to say, but it just gives me a feeling that Cameron Grimes right now is in the middle of nothing. And Cameron Grimes feels like a release after WrestleMania is waiting for him to happen. Cameron Grimes has done nothing of note since the feud with LA Knight. Nothing. They shaved his chest, they shaved his beard, and they cut his hair. He's done nothing since the feud with LA Knight, Ted DiBiase, and the Million Dollar Championship. And then speaking of LA Knight, like I said, he lost to a superkick in the main event with Dolph Ziggler. Miz TV opened NXT 2.0. There is something absolutely fucking nauseating about seeing Miz TV on NXT 2.0. And now you know why nobody watches NXT 2.0. What a fucking joke. I was appalled by last night's show. Appalled by Tuesday's show, rather. I was appalled. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Monday Night Raw rating. Monday Night Raw rating is in the mud as usual. You know, it's it's always a case where people are like, Oh, Raw is good. Oh, Raw is uh, is getting a lot better. Oh, it's starting to look really good now. Monday Night Raw's been better in uh, the last three or four months, but it's still a terrible show. And Monday Night really didn't do anything to prove to me that Monday Night Raw is better than SmackDown. I mean, it's not that difficult to be better than SmackDown. SmackDown is, Smackdown is the bottom of the barrel. Fucking worst show in all pro wrestling. But Monday Night Raw is not that far behind. This week's episode drew an even one7 Zero, zero million viewers on USA Network. That is down from the 1.775 million viewers the show did last week. Hour one did 1.668. Hour two did 1.755. And hour three did a 1.678. Raw was number two in the Cable Top 150. That is down from number one last week. Raw was all about what Seth Rollins is doing at WrestleMania. What is Seth Rollins doing at WrestleMania? Seth Rollins is going into WrestleMania with absolutely nothing. He's at a uh, <laughs> crossroads at WrestleMania or going into WrestleMania. WWE was in Jacksonville, Florida. You know who is king in Jacksonville, right? You know that there's a uh, another wrestling promotion that operates out of uh, Jacksonville, right? Yeah. yeah, WWE was in their backyard. And with all of the news and rumor and speculation about Cody Rhodes, everybody was like, oh, Cody Rhodes is going to be on Monday night. Raw. Russell votes was tweeting out eyeball emoji. They, they tweet out and then fucking Reddit Kermit seven, seven, five on Reddit said that Seth Rollins, the visionary is all smoke and mirrors. Dot, dot, dot. You're welcome. So, clearly, Cody Rhodes is coming on in to WWE, and he will be wrestling Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 38. Now, I said it on Monday when I went live. Cody Rhodes didn't show up. There's a reason why Cody Rhodes didn't show up for Monday Night Raw. And he could have but we already want to debut on a nothing episode of raw where the main event was Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, where they were fighting over the right to interview a star that is a thousand times bigger than both of them combined. Yes, they did a match with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and the winner gets to interview stone cold, Steve Austin at WrestleMania. This is the extent of WWE creative on the road to WrestleMania. they, pretty much did a Stone Cold Steve Austin on a pole match on Monday Night Raw in the main event. So Cody Rhodes didn't show up. Why would Cody Rhodes want to debut at Monday Night Raw in Jacksonville on a nothing episode with that type of main event? I said it on Monday. I'm going to say it again. You got to get in the mind of Cody Rhodes. Put yourself in Cody Rhodes' shoes. Do you want to debut on Monday Night Raw, or do you want to debut at WrestleMania? Do you want to come out in front of 5,000, 6,000 people, or do you want to come out in front of 70,000, 80,000 people? That's what Cody Rhodes is going to do. So he's obviously devised a plan with Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. This is what I want. This is who I want. This is where I want to show up. And that's exactly what Cody Rhodes is getting. So I'm excited about it. There are people, there are trolls, there are geeks, there are virgins online that think I'm going to throw a fucking temper tantrum and pop a blood vessel because uh, AEW's founder or one of the founders of AEW is now working for WWE. I'm glad Cody Rhodes is going to WWE. Two reasons. Number one, Tony Khan doesn't need Cody Rhodes as evident by what happened at Revolution and as evident with what Tony Khan's been giving us on AEW television. We don't need Cody Rhodes on AEW television. If Cody Rhodes by chance makes Monday Night Raw just a little bit better than it usually is on a Monday night, we all win. I need a reason to give a fuck about Monday Night Raw, and if, if it's that, if it's Cody Rhodes, and Cody Rhodes is the reason to that, I am okay with it. So there will be no blood blood vessels being popped. There will be no temper tantrums. There will be no anger or cursing. Uh, Cody Rhodes up and down. Not gonna fucking blast Cody Rhodes. I love Cody. I think Cody is great. And if he gives me any more reason to care about Monday Night Raw than I already do, then it's a win-win situation for everybody. But you got to get into the mindset of Cody Rhodes. What is Cody Rhodes thinking about? Not Jacksonville. He's thinking about WrestleMania. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Obviously, Seth Rollins lost. He continues to go into this downward spiral. So that's what's going on there. Owens is going on to have a KO show. It sounds more like a street fight to me with Steve Austin at WrestleMania. But they're battling over, Oh my God, Kevin Owens said something mean about Texas. I have to meet you at WrestleMania. It's like this show is being written. It's like WrestleMania season is being written by a fucking six-year-old. In crayon. Damian Priest beat Finn Balor. Didn't Finn Balor just win the United States Championship? He won the United States Championship two weeks ago. What does Bruce Prichard do? Put him in a match against his WrestleMania opponent only to lose to Damian Priest this week to justify a rematch happening at WrestleMania. WWE creative is fucking garbage. Point blank. Omos defeated Commander Aziz. You can put Commander Aziz and Apollo on Nick Khan's budget cut list after WrestleMania if They are both there. I am not going to be surprised. If one or the other is there, I'm not going to be surprised. If they're not there, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Commander Aziz, Omas. I will say this. For all the times we make fun of (laughs) Omos, right? And we make fun of him and uh, the way he talks and, you know, the big guy, right? He did somewhat of an impressive suplex on Commander Aziz on Monday Night Raw. And then he chokeslanted him down and pulled Apollo into the ring from the floor by his head. So, Omos is on his way to being uh, pushed, I guess, after a slight absence following the Royal Rumble. Liv Morgan defeated Zelina Vega. I slept through it, so I don't, have any, uh, I don't have any news or notes on it. Seth Rollins set up his main event match with Kevin Owens. Dominic and Rey Mysterio defeated The Hurt Business. Another two guys that will be on the budget cut list after WrestleMania. Edge will judge all from his mountain of omnipotence, including AJ Styles. Edge came out to new theme music, and he came out to Alter Bridge, but not Metalingus, like we all know. That's his babyface thing. This guy is so fucking great and in tune with what he wants and is such... Uh, an admirer of great music, that he went out and got another Alter Bridge song called The Other Side off their album The Last Hero. And that is his new heel music. I, I, I got chills just listening to Miles Kennedy and listening to Alter Bridge in a different sense with Edge using another one of their glorious songs. I marked the fuck out. I'm sorry. I did. I thought it was awesome. That theme song is going to do him wonders for this heel turn, man. I love Edge, heel, or babyface, but I think he does his best work as a heel. Becky Lynch did something right for the first time since she's been back as Raw Women's Champion. She had a nice little uh, attack on Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair attacked Becky's throat. Becky needed some uh, throat procedure because of Bianca Belair. And Bianca Belair whipped her and left her with a nice little indent on her skin from the, the hair braid. So what does Becky Lynch do? She goes right for Bianca's throat, throat for throat, and says, "Next week it's the hair, bitch." Are we going to look at a braidless Bianca Belair going into WrestleMania? I hope the fuck not. All this happened after Bianca Belair beat DoDrop for the seventh time in about two months. That's the extent of WWE creative on the road to WrestleMania. Street Profits challenge RK Bro to a tag team title match at WrestleMania that will probably also include Alpha Academy. Some people told me that they've been doing this match at the house shows, and it was actually better than what we got with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw. I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it, no question. Speaking of Cody Rhodes, WWE apparently wants fans to know that Cody Rhodes is coming. You know, like Veer is coming. Cody Rhodes is going to show up before Veer comes to Monday Night Raw. WWE is making it very clear to fans that Cody Rhodes is expected to return very soon, and it looks like they are taking a page out of AEW's playbook. Now, they did this to kind of mimic what AEW did with CM Punk. Prior to CM Punk's AEW debut, there were teases on their television show, and there were teases before Jeff Hardy's debut. It was their way to let fans know that these wrestlers were coming in Without outright saying it, it appears that WWE is doing the same thing with Cody Rhodes, but this time, a lot less cooler than both AEW with Punk and Jeff Hardy. As noted on Monday Night Raw, there were several Cody Rhodes references on Monday. In addition to Corey Graves' comments about Seth Rollins, WrestleMania hopes being dashed, and his dream is becoming a nightmare. That was also referenced earlier in the show where Jimmy Smith referenced the Colossus of Rhodes when talking about Commander Aziz and his entrance. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with Cody Rhodes, but that made the news on top of Nightmare, Dream, and Dashed in regards to Seth Rollins and his WrestleMania hopes. Damian Priest also used the Reckoning on Finn Balor a move that is basically Cody's finishing move, which he calls the Crossroads. Priest had not been using it in recent weeks, but last uh, time we saw him in the ring against Balor on Monday, he used it. Also, uh, you can go back to obvious references on WWE's website throughout all the last couple of weeks. So everything has been out in the open about Cody Rhodes and WWE. Rhodes versus Rollins is listed internally again it was listed and then not listed and then listed again, says Meltzer. And WWE on Monday night, it is clear that they are getting the match to happen at WrestleMania 38. Good. Good. I need another reason to care about Raw and I need another reason to care about WrestleMania because right now, outside of Roman and Lesnar and a unification match, a true Bruce unification match, I have Edge and Styles, which should be great. And I hope that somebody in the company is listening to me. Let's get Miles and company out to Dallas. Let's have them play the other side live for Edge walking down the aisle at WrestleMania. And then we have Cody and Seth Rollins. So I'm excited about three things in particular on WrestleMania show. And that's pretty sad because it's a two-night affair. WWE is looking to change the name of Elias as he is now slated to return to Monday Night Raw. Fightful is reporting that new vignettes have been filmed for Elias and the tentative plans are for him to continue being a part of the Raw brand. It was also noted by Fightful that a name change has been pitched. Elias hasn't been seen on WWE television since last August. A few months ago, WrestleVault reported that he was given new gear, but Vince McMahon scrapped the look. Because he felt that Elias looked too much like Macho Man Randy Savage. So if you guys go on Google, you could look up uh, Elias Macho Man gear and, and see what WWE had planned for Elias. WWE typically doesn't debut or redebut talent around this time of year. Uh, Cody Rhodes... I also said on Monday, he's he's debuting WrestleMania season, but he's not debuting on the road to WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes is going to be debuting at WrestleMania, and that's the first name you're going to see come out on Monday Night Raw when we move on into the Raw after Mania. So Cody Rhodes is going to be used as a proverbial reset button. WWE is not debuting Veer on the road to WrestleMania. He should have debuted about fucking five months ago, but WWE didn't do that. They're not debuting Elias. Everything is going to happen after WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes and Veer, and now Elias. So all of this is happening, and Cody is debuting at Mania, but he's going to have a stay on Monday Night Raw, priority on Raw after WrestleMania. Now, of course, things can always change, and WWE uh, can do whatever they want at any given time. Elias last wrestled in July on Raw, where he lost a Symphony of Destruction match to Jackson Riker, who also got released from the company. The vignettes that aired in the weeks that led up to where we are now, they disappeared, but the Elias character was dead and he wanted to focus more on wrestling than he did his music. WWE, no matter what they do with Elias, it's, it's a failure. Elias was, he, there was a point in Elias' career where he was over. And when the pandemic hit, He was not over because there was a lot of fan interaction that made that gimmick what it was and that character what it was. When the pandemic hit, it it was never the same. And when they came back, it was never the same. Elias was never going to be the same. It's the same shtick. They didn't really know. They were beating a dead horse with that gimmick every single time he was there. Play the guitar, sit in the middle of the ring, make fun of the city that you're in, get interrupted every single fucking week. WWE themselves killed that fucking character. The character and the gimmick could have worked. But they didn't know what to do week in and week out with Elias. And you think a name change and a fucking gimmick change is going to help him? I don't think so. I don't think so. We we, we did not care. For three, four years, that Elias was there. Now you're expecting us to care because he's changed his look and changed his name. No. If you don't care about him, you are not going to care about him. It is a dead topic. I think it's time we move on. I wouldn't be surprised if Elias never makes TV and gets released by WWE after WrestleMania. Pete Dunne. WWE locks up Pete Dunne's new name, Butch, with a trademark pretty much confirming that his main roster run is a complete failure. WWE has filed three new trademarks with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office Two of the three names have already been announced and introduced. The other one is intriguing. The first new name is Butch. This is the new name given to Pete Dunne. Dunne debuted the new gimmick on SmackDown. The second, and by the way, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go and look it up. He looks like a 1940s paperboy. The second new mark is for the word moonsault. This name is being used for WWE's new NFT marketplace. Stephanie McMahon announced the venture... At SXSW over the weekend. I don't do NFTs and I don't care. The final new trademark filed by WWE is for the word lockup. The description is basically identical for the one for moonsault. Nobody knows what this means or if it's going to be attributed to a character or a gimmick or a show. We don't know. But WWE filed the trademark for lockup. Yes, Pete Dunne is now named Butch. It's trademarked. And if you guys thought that uh, maybe it was an error or WWE would go back to Pete Dunne when all is said and done after vocal uh, social media backlash, no. Pete Dunne's main roster failure has already begun. I give this guy less than a year and he'll be on Nick Khan's budget cut list. Imagine that. Pete Dunne, after five, six years on WWE's roster, Known as Pete Dunn, they want to change his fucking name and now have him go by the name of Butch. You know, I wouldn't give a shit if this was a debuting guy and we never seen him before. But the simple fact of the fucking matter, J.D., why are you upset about the name change? The simple fact of the fucking matter is you know him as Pete Dunn for the last six fucking years. And now you want to insult my intelligence. Hey, that's Pete Dunn. No, it's not. It's now Butch. And he's wearing fucking suspenders. Why is everybody wearing suspenders? Madcap Moss wears suspenders. Pete Dunne is wearing suspenders. They put fucking Karrion cross in suspenders. Why? Is that what Bruce Pritchard thinks of the United Kingdom? Everybody wears suspenders over there? Huh? The Irish, they wear suspenders? This company is a fucking disgrace. An absolute fucking disgrace is WWE. The Steiner brothers. There were rumors about the Steiner brothers going into the Hall of Fame. Queen Charmel is going into the Hall of Fame. Why? I don't know. This is to go along with The Undertaker and Vader, who's going in posthumously to the Hall of Fame. WWE inducted Charmel. Booker T will be inducting Charmel. I I don't know what Charmel is doing in the Hall of Fame. She didn't wrestle. She wasn't really anything important on WWE television, besides being Booker T's wife. So, there you got it. I don't have anything else to say. Charmel being in the Hall of Fame goes to show you that the WWE Hall of Fame is a fucking embarrassment. And nobody takes it seriously because people like Charmel make the fucking list of Hall of Fame inductees. When you can find something that Charmel did in the WWE that is worthy of the Hall of Fame, then you come let me know. You'll be looking forever. I'll, I'll be dead, and this podcast will be a fucking remnant of the past before you find something that Charmel did important on WWE television. I dare you. The Steiner brothers. If Scott Steiner has been fucking vocal about the Hall of Fame and how it doesn't exist and how he doesn't want to be in the Hall of Fame, Scott Steiner... I had to do some research on this. Scott Steiner said the Hall of Fame is such a freaking joke and it drives me crazy. He says this about the WWE Hall of Fame. Can you go someplace and say that it is legit when it doesn't exist? How can you say it is legit? It defies all odds. You cannot have a Hall of Fame if you cannot visit it. It is the creation of someone's mind. It boggles my mind that people care about being in the Hall of Fame when it doesn't even exist. Would you go to the grocery store, but there is no food? It is such a freaking joke, it drives me crazy. I don't give a fuck. The Hall of Fame doesn't exist. You can't visit it. I get so sick of talking about it because it's so stupid. People take it so seriously. Some guys really just mark out for themselves and think of how great it is. It's a freaking joke. It doesn't exist. It's crazy. People ask me that question all the time, but I give the same answer all the time. It doesn't exist. You might as well put the Hall of Fame on the moon. It's the same shit. You're never going to go to the moon to visit the Hall of Fame. I don't care if it was on Earth. You wouldn't visit it either. End quote. Is he wrong? I don't think Scott Steiner is wrong in any sense. Only put in the Scott Steiner way. Did he talk about the Hall of Fame? Quite enjoyable. WWE is thinking about putting the Steiner brothers in the Hall of Fame. Dave Meltzer noted on Sunday night's main event podcast that WWE wants to induct Rick and Scott Steiner. And if they can't get Scott, then Rick would likely go in this year. Scott has been vocal, like I said, over years, over the years about his last run with WWE. And has said a lot of negative things about Triple H, Stephen McMahon, and the WWE in general. However, WrestlingNews.co reported last September that Vince has no issue with Scott Steiner and the lines of communication are open if he wanted to talk. PW Insider is also reporting that a number of the Steiner family members are scheduled to travel to Dallas for WrestleMania weekend and PWI confirmed that there's been talk of both the Steiner brothers being inducted this year, end quote. You know, I would be very pleased if that happens. The Steiners are one of the most influential tag teams of all time. Uh, And listen, man, if Scott Steiner is going to have an induction speech of any kind, uh, I'll be there watching when he speaks. Because I honestly think that it would be probably the greatest thing of all time. But WWE lines of communication are open. And I don't know what Scott Steiner is thinking now. He said a lot of, you know, just demoralizing and demeaning things to Stephanie and and Triple H, and he really wasn't the kindest to anybody there, and and he can feel however he wants. But, you know, what does it say about Scott Steiner if he said all those things in the past? Yeah, he could grow up. Yeah, he obviously his, you know, his attention is now on Braun Breaker, family. And he wants Braun to be taken care of. He wants Rex to be taken care of there in WWE. So he may be willing to bend the knee to WWE so that his family has some level of success in the WWE for his future. But it is kind of hypocritical for him to go into the Hall of Fame after saying what I just read to you. Everything about the Hall of Fame doesn't exist. I don't give a fuck. And then you're willingly on the phone accepting a Hall of Fame induction from WWE. I'd love to see it just because I'd like to see him speak and hear him talk. But if he doesn't go in, I won't be surprised at all either. Revolution. Pay-per-view buys were more than initially believed. Dave Meltzer reported on the Wrestling Observer Radio that the show did between 165 and 170,000 buys, which is 14% higher than the early estimate. He says, and I quote, real big late buys. So the number that we talked about last week, it's probably very low compared to the real number going, or what the real number is going to be. What I've seen of the systems that I've actually have, and the numbers are up 14% from the last time I talked about it, which is pretty big. That uh, That's as of this weekend. They also plugged it on both Wednesday and Friday shows. They plugged the replay, so easily number two now. Before, there was like, it's probably number two, but not necessarily number two, and probably minimum, I would say, 165-ish to probably 170-ish in that range. Last year, Revolution did 135,000 buys, And AEW's biggest pay-per-view event did over 200,000 buys, and that was last year's all-out show with CM Punk making his return to pro wrestling after seven years being away in Chicago against Darby Allin. Also, the debuts of Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. But but I thought AEW was failing. I mean, Revolution did 135,000 buys last year, and they're up to about 170,000 this year. And every year, the pay-per-view buys have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. If they did 170,000 buys for Revolution at $50 a pop on Fight TV, on Bleacher Report, and traditional pay-per-view, that's nearly $9 million worth for Tony Khan and pay-per-view buys. But I thought AEW was failing, right? Says the geeks online, like Eric Bischoff, who said recently that WWE storytelling is better than AEW's. I'm sorry, uh, Eze, e do you have that cock so far down your throat that... uh, it uh, impaired your vision somehow. What are you watching, bro? What are you watching? Did you, did you watch anything that AEW has done in the last six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months? What, what are you watching? I mean, are you so jaded that you didn't get a job with AEW that you're now sucking up to Vince McMahon to try and get a job over there? Who's paying you, bro? You know, people say that I'm paid because I'm a shield. That's the fucking shill right there, man. That's the guy. Those are the guys that you got to be worried about. The Disco Infernos and the fucking uh, Eric Bischoff's, man. Said, said old men who clearly have lost their way in this thing we call pro wrestler, man. But Eric Bischoff, right? He's got 83 weeks. Who listens to fucking Eric Bischoff? I know I don't. Yes, I'm supposed to take creative advice and creative ideas from the guy that fucked Bret Hart. You didn't know how to book Bret Hart, right? How the fuck do you fuck up Bret the Hitman Hart? Weren't you the same guy that fucked up Mike Awesome? How the fuck do you fuck up Mike Awesome? Didn't you turn Sid Vicious into the Millennium Man? And didn't you have Rick Steiner stalked by Chucky the Doll? Yes, please, Eric Bischoff. I would urge you to shut your fucking mouth and maybe watch AEW. And maybe, maybe it'll make you a little bit smarter than you are right now. WWE, the last time they had anything storyline-driven was when Paul Levesque was there, when Paul Levesque was fired. All hope of storylines went out the window. Monday Night Raw and SmackDown doesn't have stories. All they have is rematches. The only thing storyline-driven on the main roster is Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Anything with Roman Reigns, period. Outside that, there's nothing on Monday or Friday night that really speaks to you as story. Don't know what the fuck you're watching. The NXT TakeOver. Again, I called it TakeOver. I'm sorry. Listen, Paul, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry, man. I don't want to disrespect you that way. Stand and deliver. The card is all set. Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade for the Women's Championship. Tag Team Championship, Imperium, MSK, and the Kree Brothers. Singles match, Tommaso Ciampa versus Tony D'Angelo. I'm sure there'll be another match or two added, but that is the top of the card for Stand and Deliver. And finally, guys, before we get the hell out of here, Candice LeRae, the wife, Of Johnny Wrestling. Congratulations to both of them. They just had a beautiful baby boy. Candice LeRae's contract is slated to expire. And with her being away due to pregnancy, there has been speculation regarding whether WWE will add time to her deal to make up for the time she took off. WWE typically freezes talent contracts when wrestlers take an extended amount of time off. However, that's not the case right now with LeRae. Dave Meltzer previously reported that her deal was up in May 2022. Fightful Select confirmed that LeRae's deal is slated to expire this spring and thus far has not been renewed or frozen. Sources they spoke to uh, weren't sure if a freeze was able to even happen considering that LeRae has been legitimately out on maternity leave. They've also heard that those in WWE did not expect her to be back by the time the deal expired. But an extension hasn't been talked about either. WWE had not planned to talk to LeRae about extension talks while recovering from giving birth. The report did state that the married couple appears to be on good terms with WWE, and the company would like to have both of them back. End quote. Johnny's not going back to WWE, certainly not going back to NXT. Uh, Johnny's not going back to WWE, and the only way that happens if, and this is a complete long shot, is if Champa is treated well on the main roster, Johnny would then maybe put it in his head, well, if my guy's over there being treated well on the main roster, maybe... I could go there because I love the WWE and I love what uh, everybody did to help me out there. I love Paul, everybody's family, right? But after what's happened to NXT, I, I don't know why Johnny would want to go back there. Slap in the face, to everything that he did, everybody in NXT, what they did to that brand. I don't know why he would want to go back. Candice LeRae, WWE is not going to freeze her contract because they don't want to pay Candice LeRae because they have no use to Candice LeRae and Candice LeRae to them is old. Candice LeRae does not fit the mold of what WWE is looking for. She's a great professional wrestler and she's not going to be back anytime soon anyway. If she is going to be back, I give her till maybe the summer, after the summer. But if she does go anywhere, I could see her doing whatever the fuck she wants. I could see her fitting in Impact. I could see her going to that women's division. There's a lot of competition over there. I could see her going to AEW. I know there are already people crying for Tony Khan to sign Candice LeRae. When the women wa- when the woman wants to come back, and when that, that women's division is, is ready for a Candice LeRae, Tony Khan is certainly going to be in discussion to bring in not only Candice, but Tony Storm and whoever else he feels is going to be a valuable asset to that women's division. And then Johnny. If Candice is going to AEW, that is probably going to lure Johnny over there as well because why not? For Candice LeRae, the ball is in her court. WWE's not freezing her contract. WWE's not bringing her back. And if I'm Candice, I'm not going back there anyway. My husband's not there. Why do I want to go back there to a place where I am not going to be treated like I deserve and my value is not going to be appreciated? this is probably going to go elsewhere. Wherever that elsewhere is, that remains to be seen. Guys, I am getting out of here. Thank you so very much. Like I said, a mixed bag of news today on episode 422. If you guys enjoyed the video, if you guys enjoy the podcast, please hit that thumbs up. A thousand likes minimum on today's episode 422. If you missed anything on the channel that I've uploaded previously, Monday Night Raw and AEW Dynamite, go and check it out. It's all on the homepage right now. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And check out my great sponsor for today's show, Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. Guys, I'll be back live on Friday with SmackDown and no rampage. Rampage is actually act- is actually happening at 11:30 p.m. So I'm not staying up that late to watch Rampage and then go live at 12:30. You guys are getting Smackdown only tomorrow. So I'll see you back in the OTS venue for Smackdown live right here on Off the Script. Until then, guys, have a great Thursday and I'll see you back live for Smackdown on Friday from the OTS venue. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>